You're listening to The Voice of Dog. I'm Kaki, your faithful fireside companion, and today's story is The Zeroth Protocol by friend of the fireplace Husketeer, which will be read for you by the author herself. Husketeer is an Ursa Major and Kyotal Award-winning author of short stories, and you can find more of her work at husketeer.co.uk. Please enjoy The Zeroth Protocol, written and read for you by Husketeer. The Zeroth Protocol by Husketeer. Ripclaw! In the confined metallic space of the midget sub, Mom's Siamese yowl rang and boomed. Mom! Tiger! Yes, Mom! Chocolate mousse! Mom! Yes, Mom! Perkins! Um, I'm here! Perkins poked out her tongue and licked her nose. Both were dry, either from the recycled air or from first mission nerves. The wetsuit prickled against her grey and white fur, and its tightness across her chest made it hard to breathe. Or was that nerves too? With a commando team of four, two crew plus mom, it was so cramped that Perkins was knee to knee with Chocolate Moose, the huge Havana Brown whose ears nearly brushed the rounded ceiling. The dim red light used for night running somehow made him look even bigger. Perkins herself was a small cat and shrank even smaller under mom's gaze. Four white paws, the only portions of Perkins that protruded from her wetsuit, looked as pink as her pads under the red bulbs. Self-consciously, she tucked her forepaws under her armpits. Ripclaw, the mackerel tabby, and Tiger, the marmalade, sat still but for the occasional twitch of an ear or whisker, intent on the briefing. In a few minutes we will reach the target area, Mom told them. We are now approaching the entrance to the private harbour where Dr Delight's superyacht is moored. The Cat Intelligence Agency has reason to believe that Delight is passing top-secret intelligence to our country's enemies. The Doctor flew out to his yacht today from a conference, the Siamese continued, where he would have had plenty of opportunity to pick up information, and it is known that he brought a large sum of money in banknotes with him. It's vital that we intercept his communications tonight. Otherwise, the delicate balance of world power might be upset. The catalyst for a catastrophe, thought Perkins, whose brain always threw out cat puns when she was nervous. Ripclaw and Tiger will connect a wiretap to Delight's private fibre-optic cable in the seabed, while Perkins and Chocolate Moose plant a listening device on the hull so we can monitor what's happening on board. On no account must your presence be detected. We're in international waters outside our judicature. And thanks to his political and business connections, Delight can potentially cause a lot of trouble and embarrassment for us, the CIA and the government, if he finds out he is under investigation. He's a big fish. That's just a figure of speech, she added hastily, as four sets of pupils expanded on reflex. Mom was one of the original squad of Seal Point Siamese after whom the special forces had been named. She had carried out countless covert operations, the details of which could never be revealed. Sapphire eyes glittered in a black wedge-shaped face, with a long scar running from cheek to neck. Retired from active duty, she always insisted on accompanying the recruits she'd licked into shape. She was a true hero, and it was an honour and a privilege to be in her presence. But her briefings did go on a bit. A siren announced that they were approaching the harbour mouth, where the sub could not penetrate. Kit check. Everyone, check the kit next to you. Chocolate Moose gave Perkins a quick grin as he looked her up and down. 
Stick with me, Kit, he advised, adjusting the collar of her wetsuit so it sat more snugly against her fur. You'll be okay. He leaned across to bonk his forehead against hers, just hard enough for it to hurt a little, the way he'd done throughout their training. Exercise extreme caution, Mom continued. There may be mines in the harbour, and you should expect the vessel to be protected against unauthorised access. I don't need to remind you that this is a dangerous mission, and it's possible not all of you will return. The submarine will leave in one hour's time, whether or not you are on it. Remember, if your buddy gets in trouble, leave them. The mission is all. Perkins looked at Chocolate Moose. They had been through training together and she couldn't imagine him abandoning her. His size and confidence were reassuring, as was the familiar brown of his fur. It had an expensive, masculine look, like cigars or an old leather sofa. He was revoltingly competent at everything, and so nice she couldn't even hate him for it. Maybe people behaved differently once the mission got underway. Maybe she would herself. She was here, after all. The smallest recruit in her batch, constantly teased for having four left paws, but she'd made it when others had failed, so Mom must have seen something in her. Unless it had all been a terrible mistake. Whoops! Mom was still talking. You four are part of the elite serving everywhere, air, land, perhaps on ice, national team. Navy seal points. And I know you'll do me proud. The sapphire gaze softened. Remember, Mom said, more gently, you're the creme de la creme. Perkins licked her lips. Figure of speech, Perkins. Perkins was the last to exit the sub. The airlock chamber filled gradually with cold water, chilling her hindpaws in their ungainly flippers, and rising until her head was covered, the chamber full, and the pressure equal with that outside the hull. Swallowing to force the air out of her ears, she spun the wheel that opened the outer door and swam through into the blackness of the ocean. Once in the water, she was as streamlined as an otter. She jackknifed into a turn that brought her to the underside of the submarine. She could just make out Ripclaw and Tiger paddling off together. A stream of bubbles marked where Chocolate Moose was treading water, waiting for her. They could not speak, but he gave her a thumbs up and grinned around his breathing tube. They moved along the seabed, the water flattening the little cat's ears against her head and plastering her whiskers to her muzzle. Schools of small fish flicked out of their way, stirring up the sand as they went. Perkins slowed her stroke and her breathing so there would be no giveaway bubbles on the surface. That was Seal Point Protocol 6. Stealth. The mouth of the harbour, a narrow channel with walls of seaweed-slick stone, loomed before them. Above the water it was marked by two navigation lights, one red, one green, that bobbed on their boys and made pools on the surface like coloured moons. Chocolate Moose, in the lead, pointed into the channel. Yes, all right, Perkins thought. I can see that's where we're supposed to be going. Then she saw the floating sea mines attached to anchor cables. Too deep for a ship's hull to strike, they were a deterrent against attack by submarine or swimmer. Well, Perkins was smaller, less risk for her. She brushed past Chocolate Moose and nosed cautiously into the harbour mouth. She moved from side to side and up and down, steering a path between the spiked spheres the slightest contact with the tip of a horn and the mine would explode. Playing cat and mouse among the cat's cradle of clamped cables, 
That was a good one. She'd have to tell Chocolate Moose later. A painful tug on her tail made her extend her claws and scratch uselessly at the yielding water. As she looked round to spit her annoyance at the Havana Brown, she saw the looming mine she would have struck in another moment. She rolled her body left, spinning over and over. In the dark water Perkins couldn't tell which way was up, and it was only the red and green moons of the navigation lights that told her where the surface lay. Then they were through the channel and into the still waters of the harbour. The white hull of the superyacht, lying at anchor, gleamed in the dark sea. The waves around it sparkled as they reflected the lighting on deck, surrounding the vessel with a glittering halo. They would have to be very Protocol 6 indeed to get close without being detected. The two cats skimmed along the seabed together, using the large rocks that dotted the sand as cover and doing their best to look like fish. The fish themselves either darted aside or swam up to investigate them. An eel, longer than Perkins was tall, slid past them. She flipped upright to give the thing plenty of room and felt something pull at her leg. She looked down in a panic to see that her flipper was jammed into a crack between two rocks. She turned in the water and pulled on the flipper with both forepaws, but it wouldn't budge. The situation called for Protocol 14, the embarrassment wash, but there was no time and the breathing apparatus prevented it. She looked round at Chocolate Moose, who shook his head at her in a gesture of affectionate despair. The Seal Point Squad had developed a system of poor signals for clear and swift underwater communication. The one Perkins gave Chocolate Moose now involved two fingers. She kicked her left hind paw free of the flipper, leaving it poked out of the rock like an underwater Excalibur. Her swimming speed was reduced and Chocolate Moose helped her along with a paw in the small of her back. They reached the curve of the ship's hull and cruised alongside, looking for a spot to place the listening device. A commotion in the water made them both turn. Perkins saw a cylindrical shape a good metre in length, with a forked tail and a long, narrow jaw full of teeth, just in time to tuck her legs under her and avoid the jab of its beak. Houndfish! They were notoriously vicious, but why would this one attack them? Perkins looked at Chocolate Moose, who pointed to her bare hindpaw. The brute must have mistaken the white fur and pink pads for a smaller preyfish. The houndfish swerved and charged again, heading straight for them. Perkins kicked out with her legs and pushed the bigger cat to one side. Underwater, the movement happened in slow motion. She watched him drift away from her as she was sent in the opposite direction by the reaction. The fish, moving in its natural element, was faster, and the beak stabbed at Chocolate Moose. A thin trail of blood, like black ink in the water, spiralled upwards from his arm and dispersed. The long fish shot upwards and disappeared in a cloud of froth as it leapt out of the waves. Moments later it crashed back down, a harpoon sticking straight through it. The two cats pressed their backs to the hull and watched the fish sink to the seabed, thrashing as it died. Perkins pointed to Chocolate Moose, then to the direction in which the harbour mouth lay and beyond the submarine. Clasping his arm with his other paw, the Havana shook his head. He'd be no use with one arm out of action, and the blood might attract other predators. Time for Protocol 3. Look big. Perkins arched her back, flattened her ears, and extended her claws. The big Havana meekly turned tail and paddled away, disappearing into the dark water. 
The killing of the houndfish meant there was someone keeping watch on deck. With luck, they would assume that the ship's lights had attracted the fish rather than seek out another cause for the disturbance. Perkins withdrew the listening device from the pouch on her weighted belt and placed it against the hull, where its magnetic base locked it into position. Oh! No, it didn't. It fell away from the hull, which, Perkins now realised, was constructed from wood, not metal. She tried to grab it as it fell, fumbled it, and knocked her oxygen tank against the side of the vessel. The listening device sank to the seabed and disappeared among the pebbles. Fine. She'd dive down and find it. She still had a little time. She would not screw up her first mission. She... A spotlight blazed into life. Perkins was sure she could feel her pupils shrink to slits under its blinding glare as the beam caught and held her. Blinking, she rose to the surface and raised her forepaws above her head. She'd screwed up her first mission. Perkins stood on the polished deck of the vessel, dripping onto the antique teak. Her belt and breathing apparatus had been taken from her by one of the ship's crew, a collection of tough-looking moggies dressed in orange catsuits. The superyacht was a twin-hull catamaran, with a cat head protruding from the bows and a catwalk connecting the deck with the bridge. The part of her brain that revelled in cat puns was having a ball. The rest of Perkins, not so much. Perkins clung to the faint hope that Marm and the CIA were wrong. This could be the superyacht of a perfectly ordinary millionaire with a bit of a thing for uniforms and a frankly unsporting attitude towards fishing. Do you know what a cat-o'-nine-tails is? She stared at Dr Delight. The reclusive millionaire was a Turkish van, wearing a white linen suit over flowing white fur. His ears and his magnificently fluffy tail were deep red. He matched the white paint and the brass and wooden fittings of his vessel, visible now the sun was coming up. My name is Perkins. I'm a Navy SEAL point. That's all I'm going to tell you. Dr Delight flicked the cat-o'-nine-tails. It cracked against the deck and a dent appeared in the perfect wood. You'll tell me more than that and beg me for the chance once I get started. But that would be such a pity. Pretty little kitty like you. Come. Perkins considered instigating Protocol 35, dealing with sexual harassment in the workplace, but her life was on the line. She'd go along with it for now and fill in the forms later. Meekly, she followed Delight to the upper level of the deck. This was a circular construction with chairs and lounges surrounding a central sunken jacuzzi. Tropical fish swam in a tank, and bottles arranged along the curved bar cast patches of red, blue or tawny light on the deck where the rising sun shone through them. Make yourself comfortable, offered Delight. Perkins realised that if she did, she would leave a wet patch on the silk cushions. Good. She curled up in a chair. Delight stood with his back to her as he mixed a cocktail, but Perkins was sure that if she made a move, the Turkish van would detect it and turn on her. Now let's see how your friends are getting on. He placed the drink at her side, picked up a remote and pressed a button. The glass of the fish tank darkened to opaque and a fuzzy picture appeared in the centre. Perkins recognised it as the feed from an underwater camera. Two shapes swam into the picture. The figures were blurred, but Perkins recognised the white tip of Ripclaw's tail and the way Tiger's ears wiggled when he swam. I knew all of you were there from the moment you entered the harbour, purred Delight. 
Quite the duel you had with that houndfish before I intervened. On the screen, the two cats investigated the seabed, searching for the communications cable. Tiger found it and scrabbled the sand away to expose a length of braided fibres. Ripclaw, suspended in the water, pulled the wire cutters from her belt and swam across to join him. The film had no sound, but for Perkins, it was as if she could hear the explosion that ripped the picture apart the moment cutters touched cable. The screen went white, became a mess of swirling sand, and cut out. The fish reappeared, swimming behind their glass as if nothing had happened. Ripclaw and Tiger were gone. And so, Pee-wee, you are all alone. Delight draped his tail across his lap and began to stroke it. The tip twitched. But that's the seal point way, isn't it? If your buddy gets in trouble, leave them. The mission is all. How do you know about that? Perkins blurted out. And my name is Perkins, she added. I know about that because I was the one who got left. His tail lashed and he stroked it into submission. But I wasn't dead. I was rescued by the other side. They paid me well for the information I could give them. Enough to build a new identity. That's terrible, Perkins said in spite of herself. Oh, thank you, I I'm fine now. He blinked his orange eyes and twisted his head to take in the opulence that surrounded them. You could do the same. Never! Your other friend has already left you. He was hurt. I made him go. And when he gets back to the sub, if he makes it, he and everyone else aboard will sail off into the sunset without you. Only to be destroyed by a depth charge from my seaplane. He spread a nautical chart across the table and stabbed at it with a claw. C4, C5. Sank your submarine. He looked up at the catapult and raised a paw. There was a puff of white smoke from the seaplane's engine, and the propeller began to spin. We'll adjourn to the bridge to watch. The explosion should be quite spectacular. No. Her buddies might leave her, but she would never leave them. Not Mom, who had bullied and coaxed her through the training when she felt like throwing in the towel. Certainly not Chocolate Moose, who'd been with her every step of the way and always forgiven her clumsiness, which he'd often had to cover up. That's right. She was clumsy. Perkins reached for her glass, knocked it to the deck. Politely, Delight bent down to pick it up for her, and she aimed a karate chop at the back of his neck. Delight dodged the blow at the last moment, rolling to one side and springing up with a yowl. His fur bristled under the white linen suit, now rumpled from the fall, and his tail bottle-brushed. Perkins took a step back, stumbled, and fell against the fish tank. The glass shattered, releasing a wall of water. Perkins was knocked down by the force of it and found herself sliding across the wet wood as fish flopped around her. Her legs dropped down into space and she clung from the curved edge of the upper deck by her claws. Below her, she heard shouts from the crew. She pulled herself back up, leaving claw marks in the teak, and sidled around the upper deck, keeping the broken glass of the fish tank between her and Delight. It's useless. All your friends are dead, or soon will be. You've got nowhere to run, Pickles. It's Perkins, she spat, and vaulted over the rail. After her, 
yelled Delight, sending up a spray of water as he skidded across the deck in pursuit. And save my fish, he added. They were expensive. Perkins dropped down onto the catwalk. Her aim was to get to the seaplane and stop it somehow. Beyond that, she wasn't clear. Her own escape was less important than the submarine's getaway. Something whined past her muzzle. Of course, the crew would be armed. And of course, they'd all be terrible shots. She flattened her ears and pelted towards the plane. Launch the seaplane! Launch it! The van's paws waved in frantic signals. Running in a low crouch, Perkins sprang for the left-hand door of the aircraft just as the catapult hurled it skywards. The takeoff knocked the breath out of her. Eyes shut and streaming, she clung on as the plane lurched into the air, its trajectory thrown off kilter by the open door and the drag added by even a small cat. She'd knock the pilot out with a karate chop. It was sure to work this time. And then... Then they'd crash into the sea, she supposed. Her lips pulled back from her teeth by the wind. Eyes almost shut. She hauled herself into the cockpit. A brown paw closed around both her wrists. Going my way, grinned Chocolate Moose. He pulled Perkins on board and closed the door. She fell across his lap to sprawl in the red leather passenger seat, too shocked to speak. You did such a good job of distracting everyone that I was able to sneak on board and overpower the pilot. I was planning to fly low along the ship and scoop you up, but you took matters into your own paws. Chocolate Moose's own paws looked strong and capable at the controls. He'd slapped a field dressing over the wound in his arm, and it looked as if he'd somehow had time to brush his fur. It was a relief to have him back in control. Grinning, he turned to headbonk her, just as a gust of wind tilted the light aircraft. His temple struck the instrument panel and he slumped forward. The plane, with several pounds of chiselled and sleek-furred cat chest pressing against the stick, nosedived towards the waiting sea. Perkins leaned across, shoved him back against his seat and grasped the stick. The plane swooped wildly left and right before she managed to level the wings. Chocolate Moose's head bounced against her shoulder and he moaned. It's okay, she told him. I've got this. Below her, the crew were orange blobs, running from the aircraft's shadow as it crossed the deck. As Perkins watched, three of them worked to set up the gun in the stern and train it on the seaplane. If only, thought Perkins, doing a CAT scan of the instruments, there was a big switch marked Release Depth Charge. She slammed the pink pad of her paw down on it. The plane kicked upwards, relieved of the weight of the explosive, and what looked like a barrel tumbled towards the deck. A depth charge is designed to detonate underwater, creating a wave of pressure so powerful it can destroy a submarine. As it turned out, the high explosive involved was pretty effective above water too. The superyacht vanished beneath a cloud of smoke and flames. The plane rocked, and Perkins could feel the heat of the explosion. A1, B1, C1, D1, she yelled from the window. Sank your battleship. A ripping sound and puffs of smoke told her she'd lingered too long, forgetting both the Mauser and Protocol 29. Never stick around to gloat. Her aircraft became sluggish and unresponsive, much like Chocolate Moose still draped across her shoulder, drifting down and to starboard no matter how hard she hauled on the controls. She glanced at the cockpit clock. The submarine would be long gone. 
the seaplane hit the water, bounced twice, and began to sink. Perkins extracted herself from her seatbelt and the cockpit in one desperate wriggle, Protocol 5, getting out of tight spaces, and shot to the surface. She dog-paddled, water in her ears and chocolate mousse in her arms. She wasn't entirely sure in which direction land lay, and she was pretty sure she wouldn't make it, even if she did. The waves surged, washing over her head, and something black and pointed appeared in the water, heading her way. Yay, she muttered to herself. Sharks! First the conning tower, then the hull of the submarine broke the surface. The hatch popped open, and there was Marm, a lifebelt in her paws, shouting some urgent instruction. What? called Perkins. I said, look what the cat dragged in. Well, Perkins, Marm said, turning away from the periscope, that was a catalogue of disasters, Perkins wondered. Not quite what you were told to do, and it's going to take some covering up, but I suppose it did the job, the other cat concluded. Perkins took Marm's place and peeked through the eyepiece. Among the floating wreckage, much of which was still ablaze, the crew floated in their life jackets. There was no sign of Dr Delight, and Perkins suspected that, since Turkish vans are strong swimmers, he had already struck out for the shore. She hoped his tropical fish would enjoy their freedom. The rest of the Seal Point squad sat in their jump seats along the inner wall of the submarine, Chocolate Moose, his head and arm bandaged, Ripclaw and Tiger. Perkins noticed that Ripclaw's brown hindpaw was touching Tiger's orange one. You can stop staring, Ripclaw suggested. Sorry. Perkins felt her ears turn pink. It, it's just that I saw you blow up. The water absorbed the force of the explosion, Tiger explained. My mask was torn off, so we had to do buddy breathing all the way back. From the smug way he and Ripclaw were looking at each other, neither of them had minded. Sorry I messed up, Chocolate Moose said into her ear. You? You know? Oh, I suppose you did. Thanks, Kit. Exactly the words of comfort I needed. Perkins grinned and touched her forehead to his, gently, given he was a probable concussion case. Perkins? A word. Mom beckoned her towards the rear of the midget sub. There was little privacy on board, but the Siamese kept her head close to the other cats, and her voice to a low purr. I, I know I was supposed to put the mission first, but I... You did fine. Mom looked over the top of Perkins's head to where the rest of the team sat together, and her tail gave a satisfied flick. We can't order you to look after your buddy when it would mean endangering your own life and jeopardising the mission. But we know most of you will do it anyway because that's the calibre of cat we select. It's the zeroth protocol, if you will. Mom fingered the scar on her neck. Sometimes, she added, you try your best to save them, and you're not able to. Perkins felt her pupils widen in the red gloom. Mom, were you Dr Delight's buddy? she asked. We were a good team once, Mom said. I'm glad you didn't kill the old rogue in spite of everything. With his ship gone and his payoff in the drink, 
it'll take him a while to start causing trouble again. But don't worry, I imagine there'll be plenty for you to do in the meantime. She pulled the periscope down, and the submarine, with its cargo of seal points, set off towards home. This was The Zeroth Protocol by Husky Tear, read for you by the author herself. You can find more stories on the web at thevoice.dog, or you can find the show wherever you get your podcasts. Thank you for listening to The Voice of Dog.